Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler and I'm the youth missioner for the Diocese of San Diego. And I'm barely getting my words out of my mouth. I'm so tired. <laughs> Did you get up early up today? Woke up at five. To bring my cousin to the airport who visited for Thanksgiving. That was so fun. That is really How fun. How was your Thanksgiving? Our Thanksgiving was good. Um, so maybe I've mentioned this on the podcast, but my sister is my next door neighbor if I haven't shared that before. Mm-hmm. And so we do family dinner pretty regularly between our two houses. So it's her and her husband and their three kids. And then my husband and myself and my daughter, my youngest was home from college. And so we just do dinner together. Plus we had my sister's dad with us and we had a friend from town. So it was like 10 of us. It was yeah, great. Yeah. Just out on the deck. So nice. Eating dinner. Yeah. It was good. It's awesome. Uh, well, we hope you all had a great Thanksgiving too. However, you celebrated it this year and we give thanks for all of you. Yes. Yeah. For you, uh, for listening to the podcast, for interacting with us and all those ways that you communicate with us, your stories or your questions or your God sightings. And we're thankful that you're back here listening to us this week, uh, for this week leading up to Sunday, uh, December 12th, Advent three, we're getting in it. Yes. 75% of the way there. Well, and truthfully, David, I do have a little report to give on some important Advent oh, questions. yes. Please hit us with the facts. Okay. So last week on Instagram, we put forward a question for you related to a conversation David and I had been having on the podcast. Um, just a fun way to engage with each other and connect to what you guys all do in your homes and in your congregations. And that reflection on the internet was purple or blue. On this week's podcast, David and Charlotte discussed whether their churches use purple or blue for Advent. What color does your church use? What about your Advent wreath at home? And so I did run this as an Instagram poll. And David, down to the wire, at 23 hours of the poll, we were at a 50-50 split with people doing purple or blue. In the final hour, blue squeaked by Mm -hmm. to be the dominant color selection. But I will say that after the post closed after the poll closed that several people sent direct messages claiming purple so (laughs) i am still uncertain as to whether more of our listeners use purple or blue but both are well represented amongst listeners of the faith to go podcast seems like pretty evenly split yes and we also had two comments on the post as well that i wanted to share with you Um, one of them is from allison thomas who is at saint bart's church in poway And she said, maybe because I'm very close to retirement, but while I prefer blue, it doesn't matter. What does matter is how our hearts and behavior change as we anticipate our time of preparation to make a difference. As Robin Myers says, do we believe in Jesus or believe Jesus? Thinking the latter counts. Right. And then also, Faith to Go All-Star Hannah Wilder commented and said, first, Jesus doesn't care. But church folks do. And I am church folk. I think blue is nice. Shades of blue symbolize royalty, the coming of the king, hope, the night sky before dawn, the sea before creation, and Mary. There you go. Jesus doesn't care. That's a bold statement, Hannah. (laughs) I don't know if you know that for sure. I don't know if you know that for sure. But I like the idea. I like the idea that Jesus doesn't care. Maybe Jesus does care. 
And I do have to say, though, one way or another, this all brought me tremendous joy yeah. last week as I watched everybody commenting and engaging because, as we've often said, the listeners are our podcast guests as well. Mm -hmm. So getting to hear from you all in this way about whether purple or blue resonates for you as something special mm -hmm. was a fun part of my week. Yeah. And I think it, I for me, it just brings up this, the, the importance of our practices and what our practices and symbols are communicating about what we believe in our theology. So like, yes, well, ultimately, probably in a, like a very ultimate sense, sure, whether your church uses purple or blue is not like the defining yeah. universal reality, whatever. But it's still communicating something because it's symbolic. You know, the colors are symbolic for they're there for a reason. So at some level, it also does matter yeah. because you're saying something with what you're choosing to do and use and what what visual imagery you're using in your space and what your body is doing in worship and like how you're talking about worship, how you talk about what you're doing. Like that's all theology. Right. You know, so it is still communicating something about your belief. Right. And, and your beliefs are what's informing your actions. So to, to Allison's point, you know, like how we practice informs how we do things in the world. Right. So, and I think some symbol symbols are part of that practice. So anyway. I love it. It's a little bit of both. I do. A little bit of both. Well, and I'm about to, I mean, they won't, there will also be a poll this week, not a poll, but an opportunity for reflection um, posted on Instagram. So if you didn't get a chance to weigh in our purple or blue last week, you do have a chance this week to discuss something else on Instagram with us. So that's an invitation to join us there and be part of that conversation. Very good. We just have a poll every week. Great idea. Um, all right. And now we always want to hear uh, where we've seen God this past week. Talk about it. And Charlotte, you have a God sighting from this past week. So would you share with everyone where you saw or felt God's movement in yes. your life? Yes. So yesterday at Christ Church, we're recording on a Monday. So yesterday was Sunday and it was Christ Church's first time back in the sanctuary since, well, other than funerals, I guess I should say. We have had a few small funerals and things within the sanctuary. But for Sunday worship, it was our decision to move back into our sanctuary on this past Sunday. And I was nervous. I was worried about how it was going to feel, if it was going to feel appropriate or safe, especially as someone whose responsibility is the care and keeping of children. Um, but it felt great. I'll be honest, everything about yesterday was lovely, even with all of the natural hiccups that occur with when you're doing something for the first time. But the place that I saw God in it was in the tender care that I saw the congregation taking of each other. Mm -hmm. Because we have some new people that have come to Christ Church over the course of the pandemic, and so they've never worshiped inside. So in helping people identify where the prayer books were, where the hymnals were, actually crossing the aisle to help someone that you saw trying to figure out, you know, where the prayers of the people were located to go and be like, oh, it's on this page and point to it. Um, and with helping people who are in wheelchairs figure out how to navigate the aisles, get settled in a pew, taking the wheelchairs to the side, um, all of these things that par are part of being church, but are so representative of God's tender care for us and the way that we can share it with each other. Yesterday just was really full of those moments of just that tender, thoughtful care 
of each other. So nice. And that goes so well, I think, with our themes for the gospel today that I know we're going to discuss. <laughs> because, and it also with Allison's uh, comment about like the way that our practices in Advent are working on us to change our behaviors, mm-hmm. you know, out in the world. Uh, so I thank you for sharing. And thank you, Allison and Hannah, for sharing. And we'd always love to hear from you as well. Any of your stories, uh, questions, or comments from your week of faith discussion and reflection, any of your stories of uh, where you saw God this past week, consolations or desolations when it was hard to feel God's presence, we can, we'd love to hear those too. You can uh, email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaith2go.org. You can tag us or direct messages on Instagram at faith2go, or you can call us and leave a voicemail, 562-384-7638. That's 562-FTG-POD-8. And now we're going to get into the uh, gospel for this upcoming week. Like I said before, December 12th, proper, not proper, Advent 3 in year C is from Luke's gospel, chapter 3, verses 7 to 18. Charlotte's going to read it, and then we're each going to highlight a point. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, you who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds ask him, What then should we do? In reply he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, And all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah. John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, so clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. Mm. I love that last line. He <laughs> proclaimed the good news to the people after we hear all these things. But that begs us the question, yes. why is this good news? Which is a really important question for us to mm-hmm. wrestle with today. Uh, so, just a little bit of context. We are in Luke chapter 3, uh, right in the middle of it, which is where we started. We started the beginning of Luke chapter 3 last week in Advent 2 which was Luke's version of introducing John. And John doesn't get introduced till chapter three because the first two chapters are about John's conception and birth narrative and then Jesus's conception and birth narrative. And then we're into fast forward uh, to when they're both like 30 years old or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So last week was the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And then here's John's message. You know, he's starting with a bang. And really, this is like one of the only times you actually hear what John has to say. 
and Luke, I, I mean, I guess Luke and Matthew really flesh out, have more kind of of his words. So we're getting a lot of great content from John. Yes. Getting a little window into what his ministry looked like, what his motivation was. And, um, and that's where we are. So we're just following along the very next thing that happens in the Gospel of Luke uh, before we backtrack again next week to hear about Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where we are today. And so I have the first point uh, for this week. And so, I mean, there's a lot of things in here that jump out to me that I love. Uh, I mean, just like just really getting getting going fast with you brood of vipers. Yes. What an exclamation. Just talking to this whole group of people. You know, it's not just one person. And so I'm struck by I'm struck by this idea that there's all these different groups of people. It's not just a homogenous crowd, Mm -hmm. you know, that in out in the wilderness, like all these various people have come out. There's soldiers there. There's tax collectors there. There's clearly like religious leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees, you know, um, priests from the temple, like all these things, all these people are going out either maybe to receive the baptism or to just like figure out what, what is going on out in the desert and what all the hubbub is about. Um, and so I love how, I love that this gives us kind of, uh, kind of fleshes out for us more, uh, what John understands repentance to mean and, and then what the fruit of repentance is. So at the very end there, he's saying, even now the ax is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So uplifting. So uplifting. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. And so this is so good because the, the people in the crowd ask the question we want to ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, what are we supposed to do, John? Yes. And in this context, we might think that John is out there as like as an alternative kind of religious leader. And you might expect him to say, well, repentance means praying more or repentance means doing some sort of very like spiritual practice. Repentance means some sort of religious thing. But John doesn't list any like overtly religious things here. He's actually like listing some very practical day to day like things about communal living and going back to our kind of introductory discussion, ways that we take care of one another. I'm just, I'm like struck by the fact that for John, repentance means like changing behavior that will lead to greater communal wellness Mm -hmm. rather than just changing behavior that will lead to individual kind of wellness slash salvation. John is is opening his ministry, the first things he wants people to know. The good news, as we hear about this, with many exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. This is the good news for John, is that there is enough for everyone to have what they need. And the only way that any individual person is going to take part in the kingdom of heaven is to take care of the other people yeah. and have responsibility for other people. So that is what it means to bear the fruits worthy of repentance, you know, is to show outwardly the way that we are taking responsibility for creation, for one another, for our like communal thriving and wellness. So that's all I think is just this middle section and just like wondering how we can start to live into this 
exhortation from John uh, in small ways that can lead to big, big changes. And even in our big kind of corporate systems like our churches, you know, what's what's a way that uh, we could take responsibility for one another and care for one another uh, and and find joy in one another's Mm -hmm. thriving rather than just in our own. Yeah. Well, and I think that it is kind of a yes and for me because David and I both selected this center section as what resonated with us this week is something that we wanted to talk about. And while I agree that there could be some fear in all of this, I also want to name that that fear comes from the idea of scarcity because for me, what I hear in this whole section from John is how low the bar is set. I mean, let's be honest. John John says, if you have two coats, share one. If you have food, share some. Um, and it goes on and on in this way. And none of this section is it give everything. It's not give everything away you mm-hmm. that you own in order to follow me, which we get from Jesus, right? right? <laughs> yeah. But John is basically saying, hey, can you be a good human? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, um, it's not, the bar is not, is not extraordinarily high in this. And what is, stands out so much to me in that revelation is that we still need to be reminded of it. Mm. And that is because consistently, maybe we don't achieve it. And that's not saying that sometimes we don't, that sometimes we don't identify areas in which there is need and we offer out of our abundance um, a gift to someone else that has that need, but that there's times that we can be very Mm self-focused and not naming that is wrong, although maybe it is, but instead living into the opportunity that we're constantly called to refocus on what it means to live into abundance and to let go of the fear that goes with that scarcity. And that means sharing our coats when we have to and sharing our food. But it also means that in every role that we have within our lives um, and within society, because each of us comes to following Christ in our own context. Our context informs how we respond to everything. So perhaps my context in working with children and youth informs my behavior on a day-to-day. But that's not my only context. I'm also a member of my family with three children and a husband um, who lives next door to her sister, lives in a community in which she grew up. Um, But a wealth number of things have informed my personal context. And my context is always changing. And David, your context is different than mine. And some of the people that are listening to this podcast have vastly different contexts than each of us. And in this section of the gospel, we get from John in the diversity of the crowd, a naming of how each person's context might live into in this and not live into imperfection, but again, live into with a very low bar. Mm -hmm. So if you are a tax collector, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. And that seems logical, like we should know that. And yet if you're living in a place of scarcity, 
you might think, well, what about if there's not as much to collect next year? Maybe I should pad this area so that we can rebuild the roads next year in case there's not enough funding. Or from the soldiers, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. And maybe this is a different demographic in our current time period than what is here in this gospel. But I very clearly hear this, like, don't manipulate the system in order to get more than you need. And all of this language comes from being afraid of feeling like there's not going to be enough. And so you have to hold on tightly to with both hands to everything you need, and perhaps to stuff your pockets with a little bit extra for a time when again, there won't be enough. Instead of living into this vision of there is enough for each of us. And the minimum amount we need to do is what we get from John in this. The minimum amount we need to do is to not take what isn't ours, to not to give away when we have extra, to open our eyes and see the need that is within each of us. Because when we can see that in each other, then that affords us the opportunity to connect to that other person, to identify what it is that they don't have, to look within ourselves to see perhaps how we can meet that need, and to let God move through all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love then that the very next thing after that middle section that we've talked about is as the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah. And like, I just love that, that his comments there about like this different way of being with one another, that is the thing that makes them, that makes the, that is the thing that makes them wonder about his, his, John's, being the Messiah. And mm-hmm. it also gives them something to hope for, you know, and an expectation to have. And so it's like when we're in this, in this time at Advent of hopeful expectation, it's like, we're, what are we hoping for? You know, on this level, we're hoping for like, we're hoping for big changes that change people's lives, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that 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 the world will be transformed and that in some way uh the coming of the messiah means that things will change in the world so that people have what they need you know uh it's it brings it all really back to being very present and very kind of earthy and embodied and grounded and not just this like big cosmic change in the universe but like a very local interpersonal lived change in the way we move about the world with one another so that's our two points for today uh both from this middle part of the gospel point number one was mine and it was about uh john's understanding and fleshing out of what the fruits of repentance are being these not just religious and spiritual behaviors but behaviors that that change the way we interact and care for one another. And then the second point was Charlotte's, and it was just about how these are kind of like pretty straightforward, low bar, high yield, (laughs) and very hard in practice to do uh, exhortations and behaviors. Um, But that we are called to incremental change, you know? Progress, not perfection, Mm -hmm. in the 12-step words. 
So uh, we would love to hear what your third point would have been for today. Uh, we would also love to hear any of your stories or questions or comments from your week of faith discussion or reflection. We'd love to hear your God sighting uh, or uh, anything else you'd like to share with us from the podcast from this week's discussion. You can email us, faithtogo at edsc.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaithtogo.org. You can tag us or direct message us on Instagram at faith to go, or you can call us 562-384-7638, 562-FTGPod8, and leave us a voicemail. Uh, and we'll answer any of those questions and share those uh, comments uh, in the future podcasts. And we'll be back next week for Advent for the final countdown. Uh-huh. Uh, and until then, we say goodbye, everybody. Bye, Bye. everybody. Bye.